0: Hey, hey, back with you at the top of the hour, 8 a.m. here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. And on the phone right now, we have Joel Lorenzi. Let's go. One of DB's favorites and Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Joel, thanks for joining us, man.
1: Appreciates appreciate you guys for having me. One, one of your favorites, did I hear that right?
2: Yeah, so here's the deal. When I was transitioning and I didn't know what I was going to be doing, I was kind of mad that we hadn't really had a chance to <laughs> talk to you yet in my former life. <laughs> so I was just kind of doing the Twitter thing and making sure that I was following what you're doing. And now, weird, I get a chance to talk to you every week. So, man, here's the thing. Number one, the music taste is on point. Uh so so that's going to that's going to be a topic of conversation. We we both like Creighton. and I finally got an NBA junkie that I think we can like <laughs> dabble in cuz sometimes I feel like I'm talking about the NBA to myself. Yeah, man. I'm not so, even that for you. So will you so we got to be friends, okay? Is that is, is that going to be okay?
1: Hey, you sound like my guy, man. Here we, I can, I can get with it.
2: Here we go. So I this was kind of your first introduction to kind of what this series has been and creighton's dominance it, There's a, obviously a dislike of the fan between the fan bases, but it hasn't been much of a rivalry. What'd you make around one in year one for you?
1: yeah, um, it was stunning man i mean this is this is why we do college basketball right like this is why we watch it, this is why we consume it um that's what that game was about and and frankly, I owe Nebraska fans an apology because I wrote a column the day before. Um, obviously, I'm not from Nebraska, so uh, I hadn't spent years, you know, um, digesting the rivalry and, you know, what was left of it uh, after Creighton, you know, had had so many wins over the past 10 years or just during uh, McDermott's time here. But um, from my point of view and, you know, from what i you know seemed to gather from my own perceptions from the team and how they were coming to the game, it felt like this game held less weight than recent years to them at least that was just from from my view that's not from from their mouths, that's just kind of what i what I thought I saw and um I kind of wrote that and um you know Nebraska um well I'll say I just miss Nebraska. Um and they came in with a great game plan and played a great game and they're they're rolling, man. I mean Holyberg out coached Mac, like it was it was a whole ordeal. Um so it was uh <laughs> it's not what I expected for the, the first installment for me, but um still a good game and um I mean what can you say? Nebraska played a hell
0: of a game. You know, Joel, when Creighton isn't shooting well, that's when they've been most vulnerable this year. And we we all know that. We haven't seen any of the top five, though, really step up over the last three games in time to put Creighton in a position to win. How do you think they get over that hump?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, we were looking at the Austin game. I, I was down in Austin, and I'm looking at that game. Uh, They lose by five to the number two team in the country, and they were fresh off the loss to Arizona, which people swept them to the rug because it was like it was the third day of Maui, and, you know, it was just – it seemed like there was a certain level of satisfaction with these losses because Creighton comes into this role now where uh, it's ranked among, you know, the, the nation's elite, at least it was, um, so there's, like, some, some moral victories there going on. And so they come into this game with moral victories. Um, and, like, the Austin, like, against Texas, um, that felt like the floor, man. Like, a two two starters, mm-hmm. two of their better shot makers, not playing well at all. And Simon and Trey Alexander, like, that felt like the absolute floor because we hadn't seen anything like that. Maybe a guy didn't play super well. But, two, to have an absolute, like, non-factor game like that was crazy. And then you come next game and Nebraska defends them about as well as anybody has. And you see all the starters didn't play well. Um, I think Kalkbanger was probably the most productive starter. And I wasn't saying like, much because Derek Walker ripped him the shreds. So, um, I think it's just a, a a time thing. Like, you won't continue to see that, that won't be a game by game thing, but I do think confidence factors in a little bit there. Um they need a they need a leader man. I'm not I look around and um I don't know that this team has like a Ryan Hawkins to really put their foot down and and break this team out of their slump. But if that won't happen, um, truthfully I think it's just a time thing. I mean they can't just not hit shots forever, right? I mean the last two games still feel like outliers after they shot like 40% from three for however many games outside of the first first game.
2: It's interesting you say that. I want to stay right there in terms of leadership because you're right, Hawk was the guy. Before that, Zagorowski took control of that team. They had an alpha even though they had a lot of good players. Now they have arguably their best collection of talent, is, can they play not knowing who the go-to guy is? And I don't mean the guy, I don't mean the two-man game that I think they'll run if they need a bucket between Nimhard and Kalkbrenner. I mean the guy that can command the presence in the huddle when things get a little out of whack. Are they talented enough to overcome that until that emerges?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, uh, it felt like, they were going to be able to at least cruise through the regular season uh, for most of it without that guy because you saw they they beat Arkansas. That was, I mean, at the time, that felt like the game of the year, and there was some real momentum behind the team. Um, beat Texas Tech, which was a good win. And like I said, Arizona was swept under the rug like a moral victory. Um, everything was gravy. But um, now you look around and um, last game, like, it seemed like a lot of dudes – we weren't playing with confidence by the end of it. Um, for people that have asked me about this game, like, I, I keep pointing to one possession where, um, Arthur Kaluma, and this is a guy I've been super high on. And I pushed that NBA agenda, um, with him because I think he's a really talented dude and a good athletic specimen. Um, with eight minutes left, he had a shot that he's taken many, many times without hesitation, uh, from deep. And he sat there and waited for Jawan Gary to close out. And he looked off the, the look he had because he was 0 for 4 for 3 by then. Mm-hmm. And you saw that lack of confidence kind of everywhere from a lot of dudes. I mean, I when the game started, Farabello missed like a wide open fast break layup in that first half. And I'm like, damn, like, he's not playing with confidence, uh, which wasn't a great sign because he hadn't had a great start to the season. And by the end of the game, he seemed like the most confident one out there, which... Um, finally, gave him, he finally gave him
2: some bench production. That's the guy that that his teammates and had practiced and shot it well before the season started. That may be closer to who Farabolo really is because that's who his track record says he is.
1: Sure, yeah, and and you know, um, I think people when they look when they look around and ask, they keep asking, "Oh, what does it take to get something out of this bench, or who's going to step up out of this bench?" Farabolo's always been the guy for that. At least the staff believe that um, because his floor is like, I mean, we kind of seen his floor uh, probably lower than anyone envisioned it shooting like 20-something percent from three going into that Nebraska game. But at his worst, he still doesn't make any mistakes within their system, which is what they like. So that's always going to get him time. Um, But as long as the, the shot's at least halfway falling like it was the other day, That's probably their best hope off the bench, but even then, if that's the case, like we really gotta reevaluate this team and see what it needs to do, then right, because that's probably not a, a great scenario.
0: On the phone, Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World-Herald. You can give him a follow at JXLorenzi. Joel, the Blue Jays have a week off to practice before heading to Vegas this weekend to take on BYU and Arizona State. BYU, a 5-4 and four team. Arizona State, pretty good, 8-1, and one, and they do have a top 25 win this year. This seems like a get-right series for Creighton. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um I thought the Nebraska game um, was going to be a bounce back game for them. I thought really they wanted to come in and, um, you know, after losing two ranked games, really show, like, okay, we're not too far off the way. Um, and it didn't happen that way. So these these two games in, in Vegas are mandatory. And I think they're good in the sense that Mac had a, a good quote at the end of that game. Um, he said that, you know, after coming off those, those ranked games, he said ranked teams are kind of in the same boat in the sense that they both, they got something to prove, you know, that kind of deal. Um, but when you play a good or decent team that you're expected to beat, that's a different dynamic. And one they hadn't seen yet. And they probably overlooked Nebraska. Um, so uh, Arizona State's. And BYU, those are two similar games, I think, in that fashion. Um, Although they're going to have to find something to do with George.
2: He can go get buckets for BYU.
1: Yeah, yeah. And those are two games they can still lose, especially in the shape they're in. Um, But they're two games I think they should still be expected to win. And so they're just going to have to handle the dynamic. Uh, You know, they are the hunted now. And so um, teams will play them that way. And they can't go 10 from 40 from three every game. So. Yeah. At what point – so
2: so this is two things. Globally, college basketball, because I'm looking at, you know, obviously Sasser's return to Houston changes their offensive prowess. They don't have to, to clutch and grab. They can score. Texas doesn't wow you, but they do have great athleticism. Virginia – Yeah, it's Virginia, right? They're not going to outscore you. Do we believe in Purdue? When you look at the top of college basketball, at what point do you say, okay, these teams are who their record says they are, but I'm still not quite all in. Kind of like I was going to ask you about Creighton shooting the basketball. At some point, it is who you are, but it is still a little early if you want to change your mind. Take college basketball first.
1: Yeah. Um well I will say every well, at least three of the four teams you named are like top five defenses in the country. Um and that's been the difference to me for Creighton and it probably could have um well would have won them the game the other day, had Kulkburner their anchor, looked how people project him to look. Um Derek Walker ripped in the shreds, man, and um that's that's the foundation of their defense and um you've you've seen like as talented as their starting five has been, um, the defense that that brought them so far last year and had people encouraged has been a drop off. So and I think that's been consistent among the, the nation's top teams and that's not changing, that's what Houston's known for, that's what Virginia's known for. Um so and and, and that's what Texas and Chris Beard are are known for at this point. And so I think those things, you can expect to stay the same. I, I, I think Houston's the best team in the country, so. Yeah, see, they can uh, get buckets now, right? Like Yeah.
2: And they got a guy. Like, everybody needs a guy when the shot clock is compromised. And Kelvin Sampson has been there. Like, wash, rinse, repeat. They're there when kind of the dust settles down the stretch.
1: Yeah, and for my money, I mean, that's. I argue that's the best coach in college basketball. I love everything about Houston and, and what they got going on and um so in terms of like early season what to believe, Purdue shocked me sure, but they also do what they have what looks like maybe the most dominant player in college basketball right now. So I think uh you'll continue to see teams shift. I think uh Gonzaga had an interesting start that pushed them
2: Their schedule. kinda far
1: and, and, and Every team has dropped a couple games that you thought probably wouldn't. Um, so I would say I, until about mid January, that is when I'll start to settle into rankings. But I, I have no complaints with how they look right now. I mean, UConn, it looks like the Big East to UConn, and they look scary, man. And,
2: and I'm keeping an eye on Marquette, too. But I, I like UConn because of their depth. Uh, and, and they're back – they're athletic, man. They know how to get stops, too. Like, I'm with you on UConn. Let me, let me go back to, okay, so how many games in are we before we think this is who a team is? In your opinion, will Creighton be a basketball team that will be able to shoot the basketball from behind the arc?
1: Well, I'll say this. I think we already know their identity. Um, but I don't think we'll see our final form until probably uh, probably March. That's just how this team works. I mean, that, you saw that uh, last year. So I think that'll take some time. Um, but you, you did bring up a good point with with depth for UConn. I think Creighton's probably looking over there like, damn, like we wish we had – because I think Cleaning, when they went to Portland, one MVP of that tournament. Yeah. And that's a freshman backup big man. Like, yeah. got, what a luxury that is, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. um yeah. I know crazy's looking at that like, damn, like, we, we went to Arkansas. We played Arkansas and got zero points out of our bench. Like, that's – there's a disparity there. As talented as their father is, like, there's a disparity. And so um, I do think you can kind of envision the floor already. But I, I don't think you'll see the ceiling probably until March. But the, the, the ceiling and the floor seems so – it seems like there's such a vast gap between those right now.
0: Yeah, It's funny you bring up depth, though, because it seemed like early on this season a lot of people were saying that yeah. this, this Creighton team, they're as deep as it gets. They go nine deep, but now we're having this conversation just a <laughs> week, week and a half later and saying, well, they're, they're getting no bench points. Got to figure yeah. out. You got to
2: figure out Miller, Sharif Mitchell. Like, if you want stops, you have to play Reef, but Reef has to be mm-hmm. able to score. Miller's got to shoot it better. If Frederick King is going to play in the post, he's got to figure out a way to score too. Because I don't think Creighton wants to just go totally defensive minded. But you have two really good defensive guys, but they have to help you offensively as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the hype comes the season behind the depth was. The coaches are, more specifically, Max, um, being adamant about this being his deepest team, and really believing in the guys that were going to back his starters. Um, and I think for most of them, you're seeing guys that are going to be really talented rotational players and starters down the line. Right, like Mason Miller will be a good uh, wing at some point. Fred King looks like the future uh, for big men here. Um, and then Farabella was a guy like they really, I mean, you look at his career, he was a 40% three point shooter at TCU and was on the floor. And those final moments when Arizona knocked him off in a tournament last year. So this was a guy who could close games. <clears throat> so they, they were fully within the belief that these guys are really going to give them some good minutes. And, and they've all had their good spurts and good moments. But it just hasn't come together. And now we're looking at the discussion, I mean, more than ever, whether uh Ben Schulzberg should play, whether Sharif shouldn't play anymore, because frankly like fans are like outraged by every minute he plays at this point.
0: You know, Joel, we just had a question come in on Twitter. This is from Cody. His question to you is, how much of Creighton's struggles right now is just getting their legs back due to a lot of traveling, a lot of tough defensive teams in that short amount of time?
2: What's the difference between emotional and physical fatigue, though?
1: Yeah, and, um, I think, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I think they are still seeing some effects from Maui. Um, hmm. And then the Austin thing, it feels like like with the Nebraska game, it felt like they overlooked them because, hey, they just came off playing three ranked teams. um, And then Austin, you know, really four ranked teams in a row. So they had bigger fish to fry. And they didn't realize what Nebraska was until Nebraska smacked them in the face the other day. So um they they probably look past that game and then from a from a energy and exhaustion standpoint um uh, from from what i understand uh they're definitely certain certain guys are still feeling those effects and um I don't think they've got their legs completely under them, but even still we're we're a couple weeks removed from from Maui now i personally uh wouldn't attribute Maui to the loss the other day. I, I couldn't. Um, so so I think you're seeing some of that, but not enough to really back the loss the other day.
2: Joel, let me ask you this. Uh, spending some time around Coach Mack and, and watching them practice and kind of getting a vibe, full disclosure, I'm pretty biased. I'm, I'm a Coach Mack guy, uh, both personally and professionally. He's always been able – it doesn't matter what's going on whether it's controversy in the locker room, whether it's bringing in transfers, he's always found a way emotionally to plug into guys and to get them to maximize, right? He is he's the consummate servant leader. Is this a deal where he can – can he model the behavior that he wants in this team from a leadership standpoint? Or does somebody have to take the bull by the horns as a player?
1: I think a little bit of both. Mm. Um, it's going to take stepping up from, from somebody. I I couldn't tell you who right now. I think before the season, they were looking at Farabello as maybe being a guy uh, for that. But I don't know where that stands at this point. Um, and so, yeah, it will take uh, a little something from Mac, like a little kick in the in the butt from Mac, right? But. Um, that's also a two way street. It has to take both. And I look around, and um, this team is full of talented players, but I don't see a real stern,
2: like a dog, you
1: know, real put their foot down voice. Like, they all are like equally kind of like background guys in that sense. Like, I, 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 it's hard to explain, but. Uh, I haven't been pointed into the direction of a guy who could, one single guy who could turn this thing around with his voice. Mm.
0: Joel, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and uh, we hope to uh, have you on again next week.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks, Joel.
0: That's Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Toss him a follow at JX Lorenzi. DB, a lot of this stuff, too, as as we kind of wrap this up before we head over to our next guest, something that, you know, may kind of fly under the radar here, too, is this team really hasn't had to play with a chip on their shoulder just yet. I know they lost to Arizona. They had the loss to Texas, but the loss to Nebraska hit harder and hit, and hit deeper than the other two. So um, I think fans, once they see this team get back out this weekend, can expect a strong showing from this Creighton bunch against a weaker BYU squad.
2: Yeah, well, I hope so. But man, it's just interesting because I'm just kind of watching and I'm a big body language guy and obviously knowing enough of those guys. So there's two things that I'm worried about. Number one, um, personal feelings aside for Coach Mack, because he's one of those guys that I think kind of loves you into this the level of respect you don't want to disappoint him, right? He's he's that kind of person, at least for me and 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 to me. So, but this may be a deal where the players have to take the bull by the horns, and somebody has to step up. Now the problem is you got a couple new guys. Shireman's capable. But he's got to shoot it better. So I don't think people will default. Kalk is kind of the steady Eddie, but it's not in his personality. Nimhart is maybe the most, mm, I think, consistent bucket getter. But it's hard when the guy that handles the ball the most still has to share with everybody else because He's really a, a two in his mentality. So I, it's complicated, man. It's going to be complicated.
0: Coming up next, let's add some Big Ten whipped cream to your coffee this morning as we go around the league here on Hale Varsity Radio.